good morning. It's so good to see you. And I'm glad you're here. And I'm thrilled to have our mission team back home with us. I appreciate the job that they've done. And I'm hearing great things about the trip. And I'm looking forward to hearing more. This morning I want to share a sermon with you that I have entitled, Some Things Never Change. Uh, this morning I'm speaking specifically to someone who has messed up. And uh, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you can identify quickly if I'm talking to you because perhaps you have messed up. You ask, Ronnie, what do you mean by that? Can you define that messed up? I think you already know. You've done something you never should have done. You knew it before you did it. Perhaps it's something you swore you'd never do, but you have. It's something that God told you not to do, and you've done it anyway. Or perhaps it's just the opposite. God led you to do something. You knew this is exactly what he wants me to do. And you didn't do it. And as a result, every time you think about the way you've messed up, you feel guilty, you feel shame. You've disappointed yourself, and most importantly, you've disappointed God, and you know that. If that's you, I know something that you may not know. And if you don't know it, you need to know it. Would you like to know it? Okay. Two people. You can be dismissed. I'm going to speak to these couple of folks right here. They're apparently the only ones who have messed up at any point in their lives. So appreciate the honesty. And uh, maybe y'all need to be talking to them. If you've messed up, I know something you may not know, but you need to know. Would you like to know it? Yes. There you go. I, I knew we are all... We've all messed up at some point or another. I stumbled on this last week. I came up here last Sunday afternoon to spend some time with my father, my Heavenly Father. And just opened up the Bible and began to read. And he showed me something, Beverly, that, that blessed me. And I'm confident that he has led me to share it with you today. I found it in this psalm. Before we read any, let me tell you a little bit about who wrote it. We almost always attribute psalms to David. This psalm was written by a guy named Asaph. Asaph was an Israelite from the tribe of Levi. And he, along with all the Levite men, had been chosen by God to devote his life to the ministry 
he had some uh, unique abilities. Uh, he was a pastor with abilities I don't have. Uh, this guy was a gifted musician. I mean, he could sing like an angel. And so in the temple, they gave him the responsibilities of leading the music. I guess you could say that he was the original worship pastor. And here are his words. Psalm 73, verse 1, he said, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Asaph said, God is good. Now, in this verse, he's not talking about moral excellence. In other words, he's not saying God is a good God. He's talking about benevolent acts. Asaph said God does good things for his people. That's what he's saying. And then he adds, to those whose hearts are pure. Asaph really believed this. He starts off by saying, truly, truly God does good things for his people to those whose hearts are pure. He believed it when he wrote this. But Asaph went through a period of his life where he struggled to believe this. It might be even safer to say he didn't believe this. Look what he says in verse number 2. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. And I was almost gone. Asaph just stated that God does good things for those whose hearts are pure. Then he opens up the next sentence with the word but, which means on the contrary. In this verse, he's, he's contrasting his heart with someone's heart that was pure. Psalm 73 is an honest confession on the part of Asaph. He's admitting that his heart had not been pure. He said, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. You ask, Ronnie, what in the world does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what. It means my faith was dying. My faith was weakening. And almost came to the point of death. You know what he was struggling with, Donnie? He was struggling to believe that God does good things for his people. Hey, you're talking about the pastor here now. You're talking about the worship pastor in the temple. He's saying, I really was kind of back and forth on this and probably even lean to the opposite that I don't know that God really does good things for his people. And this is what he had been thinking. I know God doesn't do good things for me. This is what he said. I was almost gone. You know what that means? All right, let's just look at it all in context. I was all, here's my paraphrase, guys. Here's the Hodges translation. He said, my faith was dying. As a matter of fact, it was almost dead. And as a result, I was just to, about to abandon God. Almost gone. 
how did the man of God ever get to this point? Well, fortunately, we don't have to speculate. He goes on to explain. Let's read verse number 3. He said, for I envied the proud. And here he's talking about ungodly people. People who didn't know God, didn't belong to God, weren't trying to live for God in any way. He said, I envied, I would have traded places, I envied the proud or the ungodly when I saw them prosper, and look at this, despite their wickedness. Asaph saw something that shook his faith. He began to pay attention to the lives of the ungodly, and you know what he noticed? Uh, They're doing really good in spite of their wickedness. They weren't pure in heart. It seemed that God was good to them, maybe even better than he was to those who knew him. In verse number 4 through 12, and we're not going to read it. I'm just going to give him a paraphrase. Asaph shares his observations. And once again, I paraphrase. This is what he said. Unlike those who are trying to live for God, right? He said, the ungodly, they got easy lives. How many of them? You know, we say, all of them. Everybody out there that doesn't give a hoot about God, doesn't think about God, doesn't care about God, they've all got easy lives. You, you kind of, this is, you sense an exaggeration? Because it was. It's a reflection of the fact that his attitude toward God was rotten. He said, as a matter of fact, they all got it made. They never have any problems. Never. Really. They never have any pain. They never have any troubles. Never on any day do they have to face anything like we good Christian people have to face. You know what he said? They never get sick. Never. You don't see them down at the pharmacy. They're not sitting in the waiting room of the doctor's office. None of them have ever been diagnosed with a debilitating a disease. doesn't happen to them like it happens to us. As a matter, they, don't even, they don't have any real needs. As a matter of fact, they don't have wants. They get everything they want. Comparatively speaking, they're all rich. And only getting richer. Asaph believed that all of God's kids were making these same observations. And they were all reaching the same conclusions. Either God doesn't care. Or he just isn't fair. Now, how had these observations and conclusions impacted Asaph? Look at verse number 13 and 14. At this point in time, now, it's kind of like he's writing in a journal. You got it? Well, all of a sudden, instead of you know, talking to people, he shifts gears and he goes into a prayer. He's now talking to God. He said, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Scott, you, you, got, you got what he's saying there. In other words, you don't ever do anything good for me. I've really tried to keep my heart pure, and yet you've never, you don't ever do anything good for me, ever. Once again, exaggerations and indication of an attitude that is soured toward God. He said, did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Oh, look, I love this man. I, love, I get nothing but trouble all day long, God. Nothing but trouble. Every day, all day long, I get nothing but trouble, and I've been trying to do right. Every morning, he said, brings me pain. Every morning. 
He came to a place where he couldn't contain himself any longer. He erupted all over God. And what was he feeling? He was angry. He felt God had cheated him, even deceived him. And in time, his anger turned to full-blown bitterness. And we're going to read that in just a moment. He became discontent with living for God, and he looked over at the ungodly camp and thought, maybe I need to change teams. Maybe I need to start living just like them as if there is no God. He was almost gone. And what did he do? Let's read verse 16 through 19. He said, so I tried to understand, he's still talking to God, I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Maybe you've tried to understand that. Look what he said. He said, then I went into your sanctuary, oh God. In other words, I tell you what I did. I came to meet with you one-on-one for a long, hard talk. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Destiny is a key word. He's talking about eternity. He said, oops, I overlooked When I'm making this comparison, I overlook eternity. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. Before Asaph abandoned God completely, he decided, I'll meet with him one last time. And Tony, that proved to be a very wise move on his part. In this meeting, God gave Asaph something he had lost. He gave him perspective, clear perspective. When Asaph was comparing the lives of the godly and the ungodly, he hadn't been looking at the big picture. He hadn't considered eternity. If Asaph were going to make a fair comparison, he had to also consider the eternal fate of the ungodly and the eternal fate of the godly. God reminded Asaph of this. This life is the closest thing to a heaven the ungodly will ever experience. And this life is the closest thing to a hell the godly will ever experience. He had lost sight of that. God reminded Asaph that if you're going to compare apples to apples, son, you better take eternity in consideration. When Asaph looked at the big picture, all of a sudden he had an aha moment. The light bulb went on. He realized, oh yeah, the godly have got it a whole lot better than the ungodly. The prosperity of the ungodly is temporary. But their losses are eternal. The losses of the godly are temporary, but their prosperity is eternal. He got it. Truly, God does good things for his people. At that moment, Asaph realized just how wrong he had been by God. He realized that he had messed up. Mm. He had messed up. How did it impact him? Look at verse 21 and 22. He said, then I realized my heart was bitter. Isn't that the crazy thing about bitterness? You can be bitter for years and not recognize it. All of a sudden, he recognized 
Good night. I let this poison me. I realized my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish, he said, and ignorant. Look, it says, and then he turns back to God and he goes, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Once Asaph realized he had messed up, he was crushed. How could he have ever been so wrong about God? How could he ever come to the point that he, he didn't believe that God was good to his people? How could he have looked with envy at the ungodly? How could he have been so close to abandoning God? Ever? You know, he was greatly disappointed in himself. He felt like a colossal failure. He was so embarrassed. How foolish I must have looked to you, God. <laughs> I must have looked like a senseless animal. I don't know where that came from. It don't sound good, does it? I must have looked like a senseless animal to you, God. This was a real low point for Asaph. He had messed up and he knew it. And you know what I think? I think he was assuming that he had totally wrecked his relationship with God. I think he suspected that God was so angry with him that he was about to give up on him. Now, we've talked about Asaph. Let's turn it, let's turn it to you. Can you relate to Asaph? Have you messed up? Do you ever fear that you've done irreparable damage to your relationship with God? Do you fear that God has reached the end of his patience with you? Do you fear that your failures have been so great and so many that God is about to give up on you? Because if, if I'm describing you, you're the one. You're the one that God sent me here to share this with. You're the one who needs to know what I know. And I didn't know it till last Sunday. If I'm talking to you, you've got to read the next verse with me, verse 23. In context, look what Asaph said. Yet, that's a huge word. It means in spite of. Yet I still belong to you. And you hold my right hand. Did you see that? Asaph said, in spite of the fact that I messed up. I still belong to you, God. And you're still with me. You know, maybe this thought just occurred to Asaph at a moment when he desperately needed a word of encouragement. I don't think so. I think at this low point, God reminded him, son, some things never change. You've messed up, but in spite of that, you're still mine. In spite of that, you still belong to me, and I'm still with you. Okay? Here's what I want you to know. Those of you who have messed up need to know that. You still belong to God, and He is still got it you still belong to God and he is still with you some things never change
No matter what you've done, you still belong to God. No matter what you've done, he is still with you. He hasn't disowned you, nor has he abandoned you. And furthermore, he never will. This is how you know. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse number 5, God made you a promise. And you, and you, and those of you over, he made you this promise. He promised, I will never fail you. Never. And I will never forsake you, which means there are no conditions that would cause me to cut you loose. You're mine. You always will be. No matter what you do or don't do, that's not going to change. He may be disappointed in you this morning. He may be angry with you, but you're still his child, and he is still your father, and that will never, ever change. Rest in that. Celebrate that. In light of that, I think there's something for you to do. Make it right. Let it go. And move on. I'm trusting that you've asked God to forgive you. If not, that is exactly what you need to do. Once you've done that, however, you need to let it go. You let it go. You say, why? God did. The moment you acknowledged, I really screwed up here, God. And you ask, will you forgive me? He did. And you know what he did? At the split second, I'm telling you, the split second, he forgave you. He let it go. So you need to let it go. Let it go and move on. God is right there with you to help you learn from, recover from, and even grow from the mistake that you made. With his help, you can and should move on. Unfortunately, some things never change. Humans will always mess up. You say, I don't, well, then you're not human. Unfortunately, some things never change. Humans always mess up. Fortunately, some things never change. Even when we mess up, we still belong to God. And He is still with us. So when you mess up, and you will again, make it right. Let it go. And move on. Let's pray together. God, that thought, that truth, blesses me. Because if messes could terminate our relationship, I wouldn't have a relationship with you this morning. I'm glad you fixed it so that my relationship with you
doesn't depend on whether I'm having a good day or a bad one. Or whether I've done right or done wrong. My relationship with you is fixed, settled, and safe. I pray, Lord, that whomever it was that walked into this place today, deflated, empty, embarrassed, I pray they walk out of here understanding something. They still belong to you. You're still with them. God, if they haven't made this thing right, I pray that they'll do that immediately. Immediately. And if they have, and I'm going to trust that that they have, I want them to let it go. They need to quit looking back over their shoulder. They need to look forward for a change. And with your help, it's time for them, God, to move on. I pray that this will be a turning point for them today. Not only in attitude, but in their life. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. You're dismissed.